after the madness of Bellator 270 uh, here in my home country of Dublin, Ireland. It's back to their home country for Bellator as their 271st numbered event goes down over in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida in the United States as uh, the legend Chris Cyborg returns against Ireland's own Sinead Cavada. My name is Sean Sheehan and this is my look ahead to uh, Bellator 271 this week. Um, as I mentioned, which goes down over in America, and you know, for I suppose for someone like me in Ireland, it's it's a uh, it's a big change from what we had last week. We'd lots of of fighters that we obviously uh, that I know very very well, and that we I suppose would have a, a bit of a stake in. Uh, and this card, it it it's not one of those cards, you know. And I think even maybe for uh, for Americans or for locals here, it's it's not what really one of those cards to be honest. But what we do have at the top is you know. Is, is a legend in Chris Cyborg with a, a wordy challenger, I would say, in Sinead Kavanagh. But we, we will get to that uh, as we as we go along here. This card is on a Friday night in the 12th of uh, of November in, as I mentioned, in the, in the Hard Rock um, uh, Casino. And before I get into maybe going fight by fight, and I'll concentrate more on the main card here than, than the undercard, it's, it's a light enough undercard, to be honest. Um, but when you look at it on paper, this card... Very little stands out. You know, you have Aaron Pico, obviously. Uh, you have Linton Vassell against Tyrone Fortune. You have Steve Maury, who is a ranked heavyweight. But other than that, you know, and, and Valley Lareda as well, who obviously we know very, very well. It's, and those matchups even aren't the best matchups, aren't the the standout matchups that you would be looking for for a big pay-per-view card with Cyborg at the very top. So in that way, it's a little disappointing. But... Having looked into him a little bit more, having looked into some of the fights a little bit more, some of the name people are actually fighting in, in pretty good fights, a pretty, maybe not necessarily evenly matched fights, but fights that could uh, turn out to be uh, telling moments maybe in their career or good, a good pro progression in their career. So uh, I'm looking forward definitely to, to some of these fights and... Uh, and we will get into them as we go. So let's. I'll run through quickly the undercard, and we will uh, we will start it that way, and then we'll get to uh, a little bit more detail in the uh, in the higher up fights. So um, I'm not sure exactly which way the card is is uh, starting off and, and lining up, but I will go with the way uh, Bellator sent it out last week in, in the press release. And they started with Jordan Newman, who's three and against Shane O'Shea, four and two. Uh, Newman is fighting out of Rufus Spork, uh, Rufus Sport. Even he has uh, a wrestling background. All three fights uh, are in Bellator, and he has two finishes. Uh, O'Shea is a local in Florida, and all of his four wins are by stoppage, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you know they have. I suppose we we talked in in Russia a couple of weeks ago about uh, there was a couple of fights like this where the you know even the the Brian Moore fight which we saw he was he was a tough matchup for uh, for Mikhailov his Russian opponent and they're giving the the Floridian here a bit of a, a bit of a tough matchup now they're getting him on the card and you know they're they're giving him a place on the card but his his matchup is definitely tough and like we even saw it in Ireland last week there was a few a few very tough matchups especially at the top of the card for the Irish guys so that's one thing I don't know whether it's with Rich Chow not there anymore and you know I'm sure some of these are still maybe his matchmaking he's not got that gone that long or um, you know I'm sure they're doing similar sort of matchmaking without, without him um being like officially involved anyway is um you know it's there's going to be a bit of adjustment. We saw when when um, when Joe Silva left the UFC, 
I think it's changed massively the the uh, the matchmaking here. But for Bellator, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of does change. Is this a thing that's you know I'm picking out a few examples just to kind of help my point maybe, or is this a thing that's going to be a long term uh, change? Because I think in the see like even if you look at Edmund Shabazzian at the weekend, I don't think that matchmaking would have happened before under the uh, under the reign of Joe Silva. I think he would have been uh, pushed back. They would have seen his level and and moved it. Uh, you know, moved him into a different sort of trajectory in his career, and that's something I've I've spoken to a few matchmakers. You know, matchmakers are kind of notoriously quiet and don't try to tell you anything, and uh, don't, don't you know, kind of leave their process um, in uh, in a kind of a, a cloak and daggers sort of way. So it's 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 very much guesswork from us looking at it and trying to you know associate what we see in cards over a long period with them and the way they think but that's not necessarily always the case but however definitely probably reading into too much on the first undercard fight but i think it's an interesting point going forward you know i'll be obviously talking a lot about these bellator cards and covering them going forward and that's definitely thing i'll probably be bringing up over and over to see uh what the uh the matchmaking is like for for the locals compared to what it maybe would have been like before um but however let's move on uh, Valerie Loretta three and one against Taylor Turner five and seven. Um, Loretta, obviously, we all know lost to Hanagai last time. She's a, a person who divides opinion. Do you know what? I think she maybe needed that loss. Um, I, I, I think, I think Loretta is a good fighter. You know, a lot of people maybe give her a hard time because of you know the dancing and the Instagram and all this. And you know, it's the same with Paige Van Zant, and it's the same. You know, it's the same with Dylan Dennis and other people now. You have differing, <laughs> differing levels, I suppose, there of uh, of seriousness and to how much they put into MMA and stuff. But I think Loretta has been trying to improve. She's only four fights into her career. Her striking background, you know, is is unquestioned. She's very athletic, very very good fighter at times. But she she's going to have to take fights like Hannah Guy to improve and to sh- improve her ground game, improve her wrestling, and all of that to get to a place where she's good enough to to challenge for you know, Bellator titles or challenge the top ranked people in the division. Now, four fights in, when's that going to be? That might be three or four years time. You know, that might be when she's 15 and five or 15 and three or something like that, you know? But I think to, look, we live in a world now where people get written out very quickly and very early, especially if they divide opinion or if they're just, uh, if people have an opinion on them, you know? most of the people the other three people I named there probably no one probably has any opinion on him you know it was the same with Ian Gary last week he took one shot in his UFC uh, debut or two shots maybe and people were saying oh he's no good write him off you know um, and I think it's the same for Loretta she had a bad night she was exposed in certain ways but you know what can happen when you are like that? It'll force you to improve, and it's maybe a part of your improvement. Maybe it's not even forcing you to improve. Maybe those improvements are already happening, but they just need to happen more, and to you just need to put in more hours and more time in the gym, and you will become the fighter that you want to become. So, and you know, maybe you won't, because and that's because that's the the way for everyone. Maybe you won't. Maybe you will become a great fighter. Maybe you won't because you, maybe you don't have it in you. Maybe you don't have the effort in you. But if you do and you put in the time, look, it could be a, uh, it could be a good career for for Loretta. And I I still have hope for her. I I really I, I wouldn't be negative on Valerie Loretta at all. I think she's a very good fighter. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. Look, she's a test here against Turner, who has twice the amount of fights. Uh, she is the win over Heather Hardy. I suppose what she's best known for. Um, uh, she lost uh, four uh, four times via stoppage, so you know I'm sure Loretta will be looking at that. 
uh, and, and trying to get the stoppage in there. But it's another another test for it. Then we have a featherweight bout, Cody Law, 4-0 against Colton Ham, 4-3. Um, Law was uh, an NCAA Division II champion, if I'm not mistaken, a two-time D2 All-American, fights out of ATT, three finishes in all four fights, and Ham, uh, this will be his fifth fight this year, he's better her debut, so he's 4-3 and three in his five fights this year, that's a lot of fights when we're in, what, just the start of November here, so, um, that's, you know, and that's something which is a test for Law as well, because I, I've noticed some fighters, they, they love when they're on a run, you know, not even necessarily always a, win- a winning run, just getting out there and out there. Artem Lavov is a great example of that. He had probably the best run of his career when he was on uh, when he was on tough because he was getting like a fight every three or four weeks, and he absolutely loved it. And some people love that, and maybe that's the case for him. Uh, look, maybe it's not, and even if it's not, Cody Law, a great test uh, for the fifth fight of his career against someone you know with seven fights who's had a lot of experience in the last year. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, then there's a welterweight bout, Roman Fernaldo, 5-0, against Robert Turnquist, who is, uh, he's 9-7 and seven in Sherdog, anyway, and I, I, I was looking on uh, the Bellator press release, and he's 11-7, and seven, and I'm not sure about this record, but I'll I trust my, my guys here in Sherdog to, 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 to be right, and he's 9-7, and seven. Uh, Fernaldo was 10-0, as a, 5-0 as, a, as an amateur, 5-0 as a pro, all five wins, uh, all five pro wins by KO, two and zero in Bellator. So what a what an interesting prospect to look at. A Turnquist in as I mentioned earlier, as well as another Floridian. Uh, if um, uh, if fought, he's been around the place, fought name one Titan in other places as well. So yeah, that should be a fun fight. If anyone, you know, all you have to do is look at their record. If they're five and zero with five KOs, they're uh, they're probably going to be exciting. So uh, looking forward to seeing that. And then to round out the uh, the undercard uh, is uh, actually there's another fight as well which I just saw as I was coming on here. One second, um, Muhammad Fazi, who we've seen before against Ethan Hughes. Lots of people talking about uh, Fazi. He's three and zero here, and Ethan Hughes is uh, is two and zero. So two prospects going in there. That one as well. Have to mention that. That should be a fun fight. Uh, but the the Bruno Ellen to Zarianes fight. Ellen four of five wins by decision. Three and three in Bellator. Yanez own one in Bellator. Uh, half of her fights have gone to a decision. So uh, I'm not sure. The betting odds aren't out yet. My betting show will be out. But that might be one of the ones to go to a decision if those uh, if those prop bets are out earlier in in the week. Uh, but uh, I I will uh, I leave the undercard at that. So you know. Some interesting stuff on the undercard. I like Fernando. Um, I think Cody Law as well is a good up and comer. Always interesting to see Lareda and then uh, Jordan Newman as well. You know, we we had, there's something to more tuned in for. You know, um, so then on the uh, on the main card, I'm gonna leave this Maori uh, Cleveland fight for a second. And I'm gonna pop to Arlene Blinko versus Pam Pam Sorensen first. Um, I I think that's a very interesting fight. Watching you know some of them this morning. It's uh, it's very much I think the striker versus grappler matchup if you want to put it that way. Um, I watched a couple of Sorensen's fights in Invicta. I don't want she had an Invicta anyway. It might be one somewhere else, but you know she comes across the cage, takes you down, and tries to land heavy ground upon or get uh, submissions. Whereas Blinko, she she's win over Sinead Kavanagh in the main of Sinead Kavanagh. She fighting in the main event, so if she wins here, she could be next to nine if she wins. Um, you know if if both Blinko and Kavanagh win. Um. Lost to Cyborg though, so that's she. She'd be hoping Sinead Kavanaugh wins, I'd say. But she, I watched her fight against Leslie Smith. I know we saw Sinead Kavanaugh fighting Leslie Smith as well, and having a lot of success maybe off the back foot. It was a close decision. I, I think uh, might be a bit biased, but I think Sinead won it. But I think a lot of people do think Sinead won it as well. But 
I think Blinko did a similar sort of thing to Leslie Smith. And, she, you know, she... Fighting that style, I think, is a good style against wrestlers because you can move your feet, you can get away from the kind of the pressure. Now, against someone like um, like Leslie Smith, it's more pressure with strikes than wrestling. But that footwork, I think, is is the same um, is is the same sort of method and the same sort of movement you need to do to get away from the wrestling. Don't think Sorensen uh, is the the most athletic or the, the she is very strong. She, that that would be the one thing I would give her. And, you know, she's beaten Jessica Rose Clark and Caitlin Young, who had a great performance a couple of weeks ago uh, in the PFL. So uh, it's a, it's a very interesting matchup. So if Sorensen can get the the takedown, I think it'll be it'll be a tough night for Blinko. But if she can't, I think it'll be a tough night for Sorensen. It's one of him. So. Um, it's, you know, Blinko's a very, very good record over the last while. She's only lost to Cyborg, I think, in the last... Oh, God, I, I haven't up in front of me now at the moment, but, like, seven or eight fights, I think, maybe maybe a little bit less. But um, I was very impressed watching her in that fight, and uh, I, I think I think she'll win. You know, Blinko would be my pick there, and this is not a, a picks thing, but uh, I uh, I was impressed with her striking and her level as well. And, um, yeah, it should be a, a fun fight. She's ranked number one at the moment. Sorensen ranked number seven uh, in the Bellator rankings. So, um you know, absolutely, especially if Sinead Kavanaugh wins, that will be uh, the the number one uh, contender fight. Um, so, yeah, that's an, a very, very interesting one. The heavyweight bout then, I want to pop back to Steve Maury versus Raheem Cleveland. Now, the, so this week, obviously, I was at the Bellator event, and there was a lot of different Bellator people around the things, and... Uh, I, I did some of my prep for this card before I went up and did that, just so I can come back here and, you know, be, be ready to, to do this. And... Um, Maori, so Maori is ranked, hold on, just let me look at here, number seven in the Bellator heavyweight rankings. And I won't lie, when I looked at his card last week, I was like, who is Steve Maori? Like, I I probably have seen him, you know, in the past, and I probably have watched a couple of his fights, but, you know, one of those ones, there's a thousand fights at a weekend, and it just doesn't stick in my head, but he's ranked number seven at the heavyweight. And I was asking a few people around, you know, the Bellator scene, and they were like, well, we, you know, we good fighter, we don't know too much about him. And I thought he was one of those. So uh, I tried to watch as much of him as I could. Um, and you know what? I was impressed. I, I I was impressed. I was also impressed by his opponent, Raheem Cleveland. Um, and I think this is it could be like the sleeper fight at night, and that's not usually the case for a heavyweight fight. But this one, these are two big lumps of men who are well able to strike, um, and who are not afraid to strike either. I think Maori. For look, whenever you watch a heavyweight, right, and you see they're big and long and can jab and throw straight right and they're not, you know, fat like me, <laughs> basically. You're like, ooh, this is this is something different, you know? Um, and especially with all due respect in, in Bellator because there's, it's it's not that easy. Even in the UFC, it's not that easy. It's getting these big heavyweights who are athletic people who are, you know, who could probably play other sports if they wanted this tough. Now, is Maury one of them? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think he maybe has the physique to be an uh, an NFL player or anything like that. But he's definitely an athlete, and he's definitely someone who tries to fight technically. Which, when you put those two things together at heavyweight, leads to someone who is what nine and zero in his career, and leads to someone who's ranked number seven in the Bellator heavyweight division. So I'm, I think it's a name that we have to look at and look at going forward because there isn't that many Bellator heavyweights there and. Um, 
there's kind of the okay we've the two champions at the moment I suppose at the very top and even I think Jake Hager who's like what three or four and all is is ranked in the Bellator heavyweight division so the gap from the top of the rankings to the the, the tenth in the rankings is as stark as any division in, in MMA so Bowery hasn't that far to climb to get there but Raheem Cleveland um he he's a very interesting fighter as well he lost four of his five fights in pfl in the 2019 tournament he's won three since and he's another guy who is a big athletic heavyweight i think he's six foot four southpaw hits hard um i watched his fight against uh, uh nimkov in pfl and i watched some of the one against vinnie magalesh as well and obviously you know he's he lost uh he lost but he came out with some good points like he, he when you're fighting a wrestler or someone like that you have to and a jiu-jitsu guy obviously in, in magalesh you have to try to take your opportunities when they're given to you and to me watching him he is one of those guys who tries to take them now he won't always take them absolutely but in this matchup i feel like i know maybe i'm wrong maybe there was something i was missing in the tape and maybe one of these lads is a fucking ncaa wrestler or something that i missed it but i feel like this will be a, a very good striking matchup between two heavyweights who are big, long, and athletic, which we usually don't see in the heavyweight division, you know? And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Honestly, these are two guys I really didn't know much about before coming into this, but haven't gone back and watched some of them. Um, it's it's a heavyweight title, or a, sorry, a heavyweight fight, not a title fight, a heavyweight fight that I think could have some meaning in the division as you go forward and could be um, as exciting as... Uh, kind of a non-name heavyweight fight in Bellator as you could possibly have. So uh, that's uh, that's my um, my PR spin for for that one. Now, if it was if it was a rubbish fight, I tell you it was a rubbish fight. But uh, I think it will be. I, honestly, I think it will will surprise a few people. And while I'm on the heavyweights, the other heavyweight fight is uh, Tyrell Fortune, who's eleven one against Linton Vassell, who's uh, twenty and eight. Fortune. Another one who's kind of a maybe a more squat but more athletic maybe than the two other lads. He moves very well. He's quick. He hits hard. Lovely clinch was the one thing I, I noticed about Fortune. Um, and he's his knees in the clinch as well. He does get hit in that position though, uh, which at heavyweight is very very risky. And we all look, we all know Linton Vassell. He will happily fight off the back foot, southpaw, long jab. Not the normal type of opponent for a heavyweight. You know, being six and four as well as I mentioned, like the other lads, he would you could probably put him in the same realm as the other lads. A kind of a long athletic guy, which as I mentioned, for someone like Fortune, he wouldn't he wouldn't meet that often. So. I think Vassell is good in the clinch as well if you give him the, the chance to kind of, I suppose, dirty box or throw those knees inside. Um, you'd have to favour Fortune here. I just think he's, his wrestling might be a little bit too much. Um, but if he does give Vassell the time in the middle of the cage, it, it, you know, we saw, was it, it was Tim Johnson that knocked him out, wasn't it, Fortune? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, my, if my, my research from two weeks ago is still up the back of my head somewhere. There's been so many fights recently. But it's... It's one of those fights where the other fight I'm, I'm looking forward to because it's two maybe similar sort of guys in terms of height and athleticism and the way they fight. This one is two differing fighters, so I feel like if Vassell can keep it on the feet, I think he has. I think he has um, a chance. 
but I do think Fortune will be able to take him down at times here. And look, Vassell can be dangerous at times, even from, from the underneath, but I don't think Fortune will have much trouble with him. And, you know, this is a fight for Fortune to get a good, uh, you know, a good name like Vassell on his uh, on his ledger, I suppose. He's the, the number five ranked Bellator at the moment, Fortune, whereas Vassell is number eight, had a great career in Bellator, you know. Um, so, you know, there's been... The Fedor fight happened last week, and Bader will be coming back now to heavyweight, and you've obviously the champion there as well. So these fights, maybe maybe we could see the winner fight the winner of each of them. Maybe we could see, you know, this could end in, in Maori versus Vassell, or Maori versus Fortune, or uh, or Akeem versus Vassell, or Akeem versus Fortune. So it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, uh, I suppose, lineup that you have the two of these on, on the main card. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to... The uh the other fight more than than the common event, but the common event I I would nearly switch them around if I was Bellator, but you have Vassell and Fortune maybe bigger names and that's why they are there. Um and then the one fight I suppose before we get to the main event is uh, is Aaron Pico who takes on Justin Gonzalez who's twelve and zero Pico eight and three obviously number five ranked, um, uh, featherweight in uh, in Bellator, uh, Pico has become to me like watching him he's become a more technical and tactical fighter. And I, but I think it's about finding that balance, you know. Pico came into MMA and he was, um, he was trying to be a bit of a madman. He was taking it a little bit too easy. He was going in there against lads, getting kneed in the head and knocked out and stuff. Um, but all of those issues that he had, um, I think, were because he was trying to fight in a more maybe vicious way. And now I think to become a, like a top, top fighter, you need the tactics, the technique, but you need the viciousness as well. And as I mentioned, I mentioned the word balance there. I think he needs to get that balance. Like when you see Pico get to the ground, he has that ground upon. He has that vicious ground upon. That's what he needs. I think that's a good part of it. He still eats jabs on the feet. I watched his fight against De, De Jesus. Um, and he gets a little bit off balance again. I used to use that word a few times, but he gets a bit off balance when he's kicking and leaves himself a little bit open. But um, I think... I think Aaron Pico is one of those guys where uh, eight and three now in his career. I wouldn't mind seeing him getting to maybe fifteen and three before they move him on again. He needs the time. You need to be careful with him. We've shown before if you throw him to the wolves too early, it's going to be an issue. Now Gonzalez, you know he's twenty and zero as an amateur and a pro. This this guy is no joke at all. He's not the most athletic fighter in the world, uh, but he he he's not the most technical. But he's the very very good tactical fighter i would say loves a body lock takedown really top uh, really strong on top rip shots into the body he he's a vicious fighter now you know he is one one of those guys now look how do they match up it's probably it's probably look it's a good test for pico but it's also a good matchup for him at the same way i think because i think someone like gonzalez who is not the most uh athletic in the world as i mentioned will find the athleticism of Pico very hard, if that makes sense. You know, especially at Federway when you have... Um, I think a big speed advantage will be the biggest thing for Pico here. And I think if he gets drawn into what he was drawn into before in, in previous matches was Emmanuel Sanchez, who kind of drew him in a little bit, knocked him out. Um, I think Gonzalez could have uh, success here. And I think he will have times in his fight where he is a little bit successful, unless it, it, um, unless it ends early. But... I just do think Pico will, you know, if he can get a takedown, if he can land some ground and bound, which he's been doing an awful lot of lately, I think he will win this fight from that position. Um, 
but Gonzalez, I wouldn't rule him out. You know, he's one of those ones I wouldn't rule out. But it's it's a good fight. It's a very good test. This is the start of test. I think it's good matchmaking. It's a test Aaron Pico needs at this stage of his career because when you're right, when you're matching Pico. I don't think you can give him, you can't give him Major McKee, like, you know, you can't give him Patricio at this stage of his career, but you also can't give him, you know, scrub number two, you know, you have to give him someone 12 and 0, perfect, I think this is good matchmaking, and I'm really, really looking forward uh, to this fight, um, so let's let's talk about the main event, Chris Cyborg Justino against uh, Sinead K.O. Kavanaugh, um, First, let me just implore you, if you haven't uh, listened to my interview with Sinead Kavanagh from uh, two weeks ago, please do it. Her story, honestly, is like no story I've ever heard in mixed martial arts before. Um, it, <laughs> I, I've, I've honestly, doing interviews, I, I'm not the best interviewer in the world, and I don't do, do loads of them, but I've never had anyone before tell me they cried when I listened to one of my interviews, and three people did it with this. Her story is just amazing, you know? She had a child when she was 17, uh, the, her child's father died, passed away. Um, she she went homeless after her aunt and uncle died in a car crash, which her mother was into, and her mother kind of went off the rails. Then she won five national boxing championships while she was homeless. It's an unbelievable story. I won't tell you any more of it. Please go over and watch it. It's on the YouTube. We're up for free and everything, so you can watch it. And. <sighs> I, I look. I might be. I might be a little bit of of my Irish bias here. Absolutely, but as someone who's that much of a fighter who can come through that much, and who also has experience of fighting the top level uh, women in the world in boxing. You know, she our, our Irish uh, women's boxers probably the best in the world over the last decade. If you look at Katie Taylor, Olympic gold medalist. I don't think, uh, I might be a bit biased here as well, but I don't think there's anyone close to her pound for pound of all time as a, as a female boxer. And as well, Kelly Harrington, who was the Olympic gold medalist uh, last year in, in boxing. Sinead Kavanagh was coming up with them. You know, she was in with them training and sparring and fighting. That's, that's the level she was fighting at. She won five national boxing championships in probably the, the best national boxing championships in the world as, a, as an amateur. So that she has that level behind her. Now... I'm giving her the build-up here, you know, and she's 7-4 and four in her career. Anyone who watched those fights knows she shouldn't be 7-4. and four. I think most people know she's beat, um, she beat Sinead Kavanagh. That wasn't a great judging, uh, you know, results, which would move her to 8-3. and three. She got one really, really bad cut in a fight that she was winning. She got another decision against her. She's just been very, very unlucky. She, 11 fights, Sinead Kavanagh doesn't deserve to have four losses. You know, she could be 10-1. and one. That could be her record. And if that was the record here, it'd be very different. Now, I'm being very positive for Sinead Kavanagh. I'm giving her the build. But another bit of positivity, she's a very good fighter. You don't win five national boxing championships without being a good boxer. She can box off the back foot. She has power when she comes forward. She can land. You know, she can land. And if Chris Cyborg gets into a boxing match with her, Sinead Kavanaugh will give her all, all she can do. I guarantee you, there's, there's very few boxers that Chris Cyborg has ever met who are as good as Sinead Kavanaugh as a boxer. Now, having said that, if Chris Cyborg maybe makes it a, a kickboxing match, it'll be tougher on Sinead Kavanaugh. If she makes it, a, a, you know, a match against the Finns, it'll be tougher on Sinead Kavanaugh. If she makes it a wrestling match, it'll be tougher. A jiu-jitsu match, it'll be tougher on Sinead Kavanaugh. So... I think Sinead Kavanagh has ways to win, but it will rely on Chris Cyborg fighting that way. Um, I think Chris Cyborg is a huge favourite here. You know, she 
I think she will try to take Sinead down. I don't think she's... Chris Eiberg is a very intelligent fighter. Um, and I think she will realise that Sinead Cavanaugh is good. She will respect her. And she will do what she needs to do to win the fight. Now, if she doesn't, it could, she could be a little bit of trouble for her. Uh, but I, I, I do think she will. Um, and I look, it's, it's one of those fights where it could be a very tough fight or it could be a very easy fight. And I think... To write people off, I, I see a few people like a few American stuff who I maybe don't know Sinead as well, saying this is an easy matchup for Cyborg. And look, I could look foolish afterwards, and and you know it could be an easy matchup. But if 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 it goes the right way for Sinead and the wrong way for Cyborg in terms of where the fight is fought, maybe maybe Cyborg will still win. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Sinead's going to win, but it could be a really fun fight. Like I I think the neutrals out there, which we should all be nearly. Um, Will, would want to see this be a boxing match because this could be a really fun boxing match. You know, Cyborg fighting out of uh, Jason Prillo's gym for the last uh, while and, and her boxing has improved uh, hugely, I think. She's become such a really good technical fighter and Sinead Cavan's a very good technical fighter as well. If it turns into like a technical boxing match, that's what I want to see. You know, that's what I want to see. It'd be absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the fight. And uh, I can't wait. I, I I think I'll stop talking about it now before more of my bias comes out. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. As you know, it was um it was a tough weekend last weekend for for Irish mixed martial arts in Bellator. You know, obviously Ian Gary had a great weekend, but um, you know, I gave it to build up that if Peter Queeley had won, if Sinead Kavanaugh wins this weekend, it'll be the biggest win for an Irish fighter outside of of a Conor McGregor fight, and Sinead Kavanaugh has that here. One of the greatest upsets in, in women's MMA ever. Probably the greatest upset in Irish MMA ever. So uh, that's what she has in front of her. And uh, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the fight. And, uh, you know, I also can't wait to see Chris Cyborg. A real big fan of Chris Cyborg. I think she's a fantastic fighter, obviously, as everyone probably listened to this uh, and watching this does. But uh, oh, there's, there's a fly flies in front of me. Get away, you. But, um, right, I will leave it there. So um, hope you enjoyed this. If you did, give it a thumbs up. Click subscribe. Uh, tell a friend, tag me at Sean Sheehan BA over on Twitter with the link to this and I will retweet it and we'll do all of that and we'll get the word out there. Um, I've been really appreciative of all the, the Sherdog fans and fan base over the last while. They've been very positive towards me and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, Bellator 271 should be a very, very fun card and uh, enjoy it this weekend. And I'll see you all next time. Good luck.